You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula Business School. Are you ready to take your vacation rental business to the next level? Invest in the knowledge and training you need to get there. With the Vacation Rental Formula Business School, you can gain access to an exclusive course library that covers topics like marketing, pricing, strategies, operations, and more. Become one of our founding members today and get exclusive access to all additional content produced in the years to come. Whether you're just starting out or want to expand your existing business, you'll learn invaluable lessons from the top industry experts. So don't wait any longer. Secure your spot today at vacationrentalformula.com forward slash biz school and start your journey to success. Are you ready for today's podcast? Let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know I love to talk to property managers who've grown their businesses, sometimes from the ground up and sometimes to a new level of success. Today, I'm talking to Caleb Hannon from Stay Lake Norman, a luxury brand in North Carolina. And Caleb is sharing his secret sauce to building on an established brand with his own spin of flair and new ideas. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I'm super delighted to be back with you once again. You know, every so often I, I sort of reflect back on what happened a year ago or so much time in the past, particularly if it was significant, a significant event, and then I can look forward to see how things have changed over the time after that event happened. And this time last year, we were sealing the deal on CottageLink Rental Management, my property management company. And if you are a regular listener, you will know that it wasn't the easiest process, you know, going through due diligence. And I talked about all of this in my episode with Justin Keller-Hobson, who's the new CEO of CLRM. And Justin and his partners at Pillar 49 were completely new to the business of short-term rentals. So it's been an absolute pleasure to see what they've done over the past nine months to continue our legacy. And they've kept our fantastic team and they've kept the great portfolio of properties. And also over that time, they've introduced loads of new systems to streamline the operations and improve procedures They'd brought on additional properties, a lot of them, and taken on additional staff. And this company is now going from strength to strength. And it's been absolutely fantastic to be witness to what's happening. You know, I'm still involved in a very, very limited way. So I get to still sit in on the Slack channels and see the emails, although that's probably not going to go on for much longer. But it's been it's been so great to see the transition being so perfectly smooth and eventless, if you like. And I've talked to some owners who just love the new injection of ideas and motivation and just a great transition. Then for others, the next step in their evolution is to actually buy the company that they've been working for. 
And this is what today's guest did with Stay Lake Norman, a luxury brand in North Carolina. So I'm not going to say any more about it. I'm going to leave it to Caleb Hannon to tell the story. So without further ado, we'll go on over to the interview. Well, hello, Anne. I am so excited to have with me today uh, Caleb Hannon from Stay Lake Norman. I'm going to hear all about Lake Norman, where it is and what Caleb's company is. And I'm really, really excited because I love talking to property managers. So welcome, Caleb. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. So happy to be here ready to answer all your questions and give any tidbits I can. Excellent. Well, I, with everybody I interview, and, and it, regardless of whether they're, they're a vendor in the business or mm-hmm. they're an independent owner or property manager, I always want that origin story. How the heck did you get into this? You know, it's, it's really not perhaps the most exciting thing to get into at the very outset for most people. So what got you into it and what makes you so passionate about it? Absolutely. So there's a lot of individuals that I hear speak and a lot of them started with their home renting it or purchasing a small apartment or something renting it. My story is very different from that. So graduated college and got into marketing. From there, I wanted to be in sports. So I started working at a college campus, working in recreational sports, and I decided that sports wasn't where I wanted to be. From there, I went into working as a nonprofit and started managing a retreat center. And that was that was a lot of fun and I really, really loved it. But COVID hit and we ended up having to shut down that retreat center and shut down the nonprofit actually as a total. And so I was without a job for a few months and stumbled into this company, Stay Lake Norman. They were hiring an operations manager at the time. I applied for it because I had a little bit of experience with processes and managing people. And so jumped right in with both feet. I think I listened to your podcast on my way to my first day of work because <laughs> <laughs> I jumped in uh, full-fledged and I just realized that this industry has so many moving parts that any day you come to work, you're not going to be bored. So that was really, really exciting for me. And then being able to work with people on different fronts. So I got to work with my staff, but I also got to work with homeowners who are investing. And then I also got to work with guests. So every single story is just a little bit different and I get to connect with those individuals. And and so that's what keeps me going every single day is coming in and knowing that today is going to be completely different and I might be able to change the life of one person today. So what's your role in the company right now? Yeah, absolutely. So after about six months with the company, the sole owner approached me and decided that he wanted to start taking a step back. And the only way he could do that is if he had someone fully vested in the company. So he gave me an opportunity to purchase part of the company. So at that point, my wife and I jumped in even further, purchased part of the company. I'm currently the COO and part owner of the company as well now. Right. So you're you're fully invested in it. I am fully vested. This is this is my whole retirement plan now. So I'm here for the win. I love it when you say, you know, th- there's so many moving parts and every day is different. And you know that I did this for 20 years and mm-hmm. 
Not that I'm unhappy at being out of it after 20 years, but that was definitely something that kept me passionate about it was that one day, as you say, you'd be handling, maybe going out to visit a new owner. And then on another day, you were dealing with an issue at an existing property and then maybe exploring some new software on another day. It was, I just loved it. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really hard when you get in a, in a job where it's just the same repetitive thing over and over again. And there are people who thrive at that. I believe people who thrive in, in the hospitality environment thrive on the opposite way of, of every single day is a little bit different. You really never know what you're going to be doing. And really that combined with the people atmosphere of being able to communicate with so many different people and touch the lives of so many different people. That, that's kind of what keeps me going every single day when I drive into work. So, so tell us a little bit about, about the company itself and the, um, yeah. you know, the types of properties that you have in your portfolio. Absolutely. So we do have a niche when it comes to high-end luxury lakefront properties. So every single one of our properties is lakefront on Lake Norman right now. Every single one has a private dock and about 90 to 95% of them are curated by an interior designer that professionally handles all of the design of the space. We love to get into properties from start to finish. So when someone purchases a property, we come in, we step in, we walk it with an interior designer and a contractor, and we say, hey, this is the flow of the house. These are things that we really like. These are things that we don't like. And then we start the renovation process. And so we actually attempt to reverse engineer kind of the return on investment. And so if a homeowner calls us and they say, hey, um, I have this amount of investment capital I can put in, I really need to see a seven or 8% return, then we can take that and say, okay, then this property needs to gross X. In order to gross X in this market, you're going to need to sleep this many roughly, and you're going to need to have these additional amenities, whether that be a beach or a heated pool or an actual game room or guest suite. And then we can go into what does it look like to build that? Or what does it look like to renovate into that? And so that's how we really, you know, try to curate. We're responsible for for the investment. And, and our goal is to get the return that's needed in most cases on average. And so that's kind of how we handle it. So high-end luxury lakefront properties is, is our niche. If you want to segment that even further, you're going 16 plus with a heated pool. <laughs> and that's where we really excel. That sounds fantastic. I have looked at the website and uh, drooled <laughs> for a number of the properties <laughs> on there. So, so let's just explore this a bit about um, you know the owners. Mm-hmm. You're clearly particular about the types of properties that come into the portfolio. What about the owners themselves? Are they all amenable to you coming in and doing these renovations to their properties? Or do you have, do you take on some that are wanting to keep it as it is or do their own thing or have a greater involvement in it? That's a great question. So ideally it's hands off from the owner. It's really looking at it as an investment of saying, I'm going to put my money in and we trust you to make these decisions and and make this property return what it needs to. With that said, there's always an emotional side to putting money into real estate. And we get that. We understand. So a lot of our homeowners do work with the interior designer and say, okay, I, I wish it would have, maybe these are some colors I really like, mm-hmm. but recognizing this is a professional interior designer and they do this for a living and look at all of our other properties and you've fallen in love with them because 
we've allowed the interior designer to make those decisions. So we do have people that are a little more hands-on. We do have people who just say, here's my money, play and, and get me the best return. Uh, yeah, we love those people. <laughs> but when it comes to someone who just has a property that is like, this is my property, this is what it needs to be, we'd like to rent it. Those individuals, while there might be a market for that, we won't accept those individuals into our portfolio. And, and we take that very seriously. And we have many, many conversations with them explaining, this is how we operate. This is why we can do what we do. If you don't want to fit into that mold, it's fine. It's your decision. Just recognize we can't work together. Yeah, that's really interesting uh, perspective. And I talked to Tyan Marsink from Branson Family Retreats fairly recently. And she was, you know, she, she, she's growing, although she manages her own very, very large properties, which she builds and markets. She's since been taking on some new properties in the property manager process. And one of the very most interesting things she, she said on that episode was that there are certain things which are non-negotiable with owners. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you're operating a very similar policy, which is, you know, it, it, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. And I know that in my company, we weren't able to do that. There were, mm-hmm. we, we didn't have that. And I think you, you do it in that particular niche that you're in and and it's a little bit more difficult in others and I would have loved to have had that luxury of saying uh-uh you know if you if you don't tow the line you know you're, you're not coming in the club but I love that idea that you can do that because then you are in complete control of standards and quality and mm. ensuring that what your guests experience is exactly what you tailor for them. I would totally understand where you're coming from. In certain markets, it may not be possible to be able to do that. In in larger competitive markets, you know, Lake Norman, North Carolina, isn't this nationally searched location where everybody wants to go. And so we already know that when it comes to travel, we even have a niche in people looking specifically for Lake Norman. So our market isn't booming. We don't have hundreds of thousands of mm-hmm. units for rent, you know, maybe in a Miami market or something like that. So we do, you know, understand that. And don't get me wrong. Every single day we question our niche and we say, Hey, we got this property. It's pretty cool. And we say, can we do it? Well, yes, we can. The question is, are we willing to adjust our operation just to get another house mm-hmm. in it? Or do we need to continue to be the most efficient we can in our operation so that we can be the best stewards of not only our income and our money, but also our homeowner's income? So when, when you're talking to owners, owners that are amenable to the conditions that you're placing on them, what do you tell them that they, that they need to stand out in the market and for your target market? Great question. So the first thing that we we really push on them is making sure that the property is designed to curate connection, curate people coming together, and an ability to feel like you're in a place that's overwhelmingly satisfying. So what we want is we want you to walk into the property as a guest and, like you said, kind of drool a little bit and say, hey, This is exactly what I need. This is exactly what I wanted. I can look at that lake. I can look at these rooms and I can just feel relaxed. And so that's what we aim to curate. A lot of that comes from picking the right colors, making sure that the living room has the right spacing of furniture 
And that's what our interior designers are so great at is being able to say the flow of this room and the flow of this space needs to be X, Y, Z. And so that's, that's kind of the first step. The second step is making sure that there's a great relationship and understanding that we are a hands-off operating company when it comes to the investor. Mm -hmm. So the homeowner doesn't have to do anything. We have a large group of them that we communicate and this is not the norm, but we communicate, you know, maybe four times a year, every quarter and just say, Hey, everything's great. Property's doing great. At the end of the year, here's some updates that need to happen and we can take care of that for you. We have some that we communicate with monthly, but it is very much a hands-off approach from the owner's perspective of um, this is my investment. Once again, that's how we approach it. And then the last thing that we don't budge on whatsoever is safety. So if, if there's a safety concern at a property that's marked right away, and if the homeowner is not willing to budge, we have threatened to cancel contracts uh, on safety. And so that's something that we, that's the third step that we really push. Yes. That sounds like you're talking straight from the Justin Ford playbook there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Justin and I have become very, very good friends professionally and personally. And so he he has definitely helped me and trained me and taught me a lot. And and I've brought that to our homeowners. And it's a step above that a lot of people don't do. Um, mm-hmm. And so we want to we want to separate ourselves in that aspect. And I think that's a very laudable pursuit in doing that. And I think, you know, have, having been a property manager and and seen properties of perhaps lesser quality come to us where they've been rented out for years with some just monumentally scary <laughs> safety issues and us going in there and saying, oh, we can't rent this. We, we can't have a bedroom in a lower floor with no window. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yes. we can't have those bunk beds because you want to pile people in. We can't have the bunk beds pushed up against windows. <laughs> so, so, so yes, it's been so there. Scary. <laughs> Yes, it, it's so scary. And, and I have kids. And so that's when I jump into a property and I walk it right away. That's the first thought that goes to my mind is, okay, would I allow my three-year-old to stay in this property? And would I feel comfortable walking to this property, knowing anything about it and, and ensuring that as a parent, I'm able to relax and let my kids play? And so that's that's something I take very, very seriously. And it's it's something that my wife takes serious now. And she calls me when she goes and travels and says, hey, I tested the smoke alarm. It works. And I'm like, OK, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what everybody should do that when they walk into, into a rental home or even a hotel. Test the smoke alarm. Right. Yeah. Yep. You've talked about the flow of a property and creating a space that your guests are going to love. It sounds like you have a very clear handle on your target market and the avatar of your guests. Can you go into that a little bit? Perfect. I would love to. So really, we have kind of two different markets here because we have a high seasonality, uh, recognizing that. Our first big target that kind of goes across the whole scope of, of our, of our branding is, is targeting the top 10% of income earners. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do have higher ADRs than the average here. And, and so we have to be sure that we are targeting the right guest with that in the peak summertime, really what we're targeting is groups of people. So whether that be, you know, three or four couples, whether that be uh, 10 guys coming together for a golf trip, maybe it might be two or three families coming together, but really it makes most sense when multiple groups come together and they rent these larger properties uh, because it does make more financial sense. With that said, 
we 100% have families of four or even couples who rent out some of our largest homes Mm -hmm. and they just have the income and they're in the top 1% of income earners. And really they don't ask for price. They just say, Hey, we want the best property. Where is it? Perfect. Here's my card. And then they're ready to stay with us for a week in the off season or the shoulder season, we start targeting even closer drive to markets. And so we're looking at the big cities right around. We're looking for people just a weekend away or things along those lines. So first is going to be that income. And the second is going to be really targeting groups of individuals who want to come together and be connected. Yeah, sounds sounds great. So though you talk so just continuing on this marketing theme, how do you target them? I'm I'm assuming that you know you're not 100% on Airbnb. <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely not. So, uh we are 65% direct when it comes to our bookings. We we actually delisted from Airbnb for a while. We are since reinvested in Airbnb um, once they've created their Lux platform. We have posted a lot of our properties on their Lux platform. But ultimately, as as you teach and as so many professionals and, and leaders in the space teach is that direct booking is the way to go. So so the way we do that is one, we aim to make no matter who you are, or where you're coming from or how you've booked or found us, the goal is that we treat you the absolute same. And so if you can realize that and see that, then it makes a level of comfort with Stay Lake Norman. We, we, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is, but I want you to feel like a Stay Lake Norman guest. And so that's the first and foremost. The second thing is just creating this welcome atmosphere when it comes to communication, our website, our emails. We want everything to be very, very seamless and so making sure people understand stay Lake Norman, stay Lake Norman, stay Lake Norman, no matter where they booked from, they're going to provide a great experience for me. So then it just goes into everything we do, making people feel connected. So if that's going onto our website, learning a little bit about us or going to our website and every page you go to, you're going to see a picture of people in a space that we've curated, uh, feeling connected so that not only do they see the sense of connecting themselves with each other and their friends and family, but, but also giving that sense of connected to stay Lake Norman. Yeah, that that's great. And, I, and I'm assuming, you know, once they come in from a, a major platform, you're retargeting them to book direct the f- next time. 100%. So this is going to go, whether it's text messages or phone calls or email marketing, Every single thing that we communicate with them, we are saying the words stay like Norman so that they understand that. Mm-hmm. So we speak to every single guest on the phone before they're allowed to stay in our properties. And the first thing we do is when they pick up the phone, this is Caleb from stay like Norman. And then we end the conversation with what can we do to make your stay even better? And we ask them that question, what can we do? So everything we do is branded Stay Lake Norman. Every time they get a communication, it's Stay Lake Norman. It's book direct. It's come back and stay with us next time because you'll save even more money. Mm -hmm. Terrific. I want to talk about the partnerships that you have with other companies, because like many luxury brands, you are catering for the people who don't want to they don't always want to cook their own meals. <laughs> they don't want to wash up afterwards. Mm-hmm, right, um, absolutely. So you have a number of partnerships with other companies, and it might be sort of rentals or catering. It always interests me is how do you, you know, you, you are creating your own brand of standard and quality. How do you ensure that quality can remain high with the third-party companies that you work with? Because... 
you know, you talk about moving parts, but when you start bringing in third parties, mm. that just creates yet another level of challenge from, from what I can see. How do you do that? Very carefully. <laughs> we, uh, so, so the first thing is with our properties, we do have a, a sister company. And so my business partner owns this boat rental company. And so that's, that's the number one is that we try to gain a little bit of ownership anywhere we can. That way we've got a little bit of say and, you know, the direction and the quality and everything, because we understand the niche of luxury and what we're trying to offer. So, so the first thing is the boat company is that we have a, a hand in that. I oversee that company as well. And so I invested in that company and I'm making sure that the boat rental company is matching the homes. That, mm-hmm. are, that are being provided. When it comes to the private chef and the catering and the meal delivery service that we've worked with, once again, my business partner purchased part of that company as well as myself. So we have a portion of that company under our control. And so we can understand the quality. We also use that service. So if we're doing a staff lunch, mm-hmm. we'll purchase the food from that company. And that gives us a, an opportunity to one, introduce our staff to it, but two, test the quality. When it comes to third parties that we don't have a financial investment in, what it comes down to is it comes down to one, really building a partnership with the founders and the CEOs of those companies and two, test running them. So we will say, hey, uh, we would love to offer you um, to our guests. We'd love to promote you. We'd love to push you. We kind of see what you do. Can, can you show us? And then we'll reach out to our guests that we know use them and we'll say, hey, do you have any feedback on that? Because we want to make sure that they're delivering an experience that's equal to what we're delivering. And we will always get, usually it's good feedback. And uh, and so we have yet to have to cancel a partnership uh, because <laughs> we try to do our due diligence as much as, as much as possible. It's really interesting hearing this because I heard this from, um, talk to Travis Wilburn from the... Um, stay Charlottesville and the 100 Mm -hmm. collection recently. And, you know, he'd seen gaps in the market in Charlottesville and he was jumping in and just filling Mm -hmm. those gaps, either investing in um, existing companies or creating another one. And that, of course, when you have that, that control, it takes away a lot of the iffy nature. And I think that's what I was, that's what I was looking at when, when, I, when I saw the site and I, th- I saw all the different concierge services available and I thought, oh gosh, mm-hmm. what happens when the chef doesn't turn up or if the quality is not as people would expect? So you gave such a great answer to that. And yeah, if, um, you know, if you're wanting to offer additional stuff to your, your guests, then buy into the company that's delivering right. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Either buy in or like I said, just, just create that partnership. And so that they understand what you're doing and you understand what they're doing. And, and you can, you know, the last thing I want to do is oversell. So yeah. I don't want to say this, this company is really great. You should work with them hundred percent. And then the next thing you know, is it's a terrible experience. And now that's come back on me because I've recommended them. Yeah. So, exactly. uh, so we do our due diligence and have no problem investing in a successful company or what we think is going to be successful. So uh, can I talk for a moment about housekeeping and, you know, operations and sure. linens and, you know, how is this all managed? I mean, I know with, with my company, we, we had 160 properties and they, they were scattered everywhere. And it was, it was like herding mm-hmm. cats to ensure that the quality was maintained across different properties, you know, a property that was, that was a hundred miles that way. And we, we, right. we might've been able to see a cottage on a lake, across the water but it was a 45 minute drive to get there 
So, mm-hmm. what, you know, what is your, what are your, the logistics in a nutshell of your housekeeping service? Oh, yes, this is, this is an ever evolving <laughs> department. <laughs> and I think it'll continue to be ever evolving. So when I initially started, the housekeeping was fully third party. It mm-hmm. was 98 housekeeping was done by one company and we allowed them to handle all the logistics of the staffing and, and linens and everything along those lines. As that relationship started hitting its limits, we decided to go fully in-house. So we did the complete opposite. We said, okay, we're going to hire every single employee. We're going to manage it all in-house. We're going to train them all. And that hit its limits in the peak season because <laughs> we just couldn't find staff to hire mm-hmm. for three months and then let go. And so right now we are about a 60, 40 blend, whether that's so we keep about 40% of our cleans in-house with full-time and staff. And then we do about 60% outsourcing with 1099 contractors. And so what we do is it's not, this is your house. This is your house. This is your house. It's, you might be associated with 10 houses. Mm -hmm. And if that populates a clean, you can grab that. And it's kind of a first come first serve. So if you're busy that day, you don't have to worry about working. But if you don't have any cleans this week and you want some income, then you can pick up all the cleans this week, kind of up to you. And so building that relationship with those third-party vendors as well, we meet them at the properties. We introduce ourselves. We talk through tips and tricks that we have. We try to give them, you know, pictures and things along those lines, checklists so that there's nothing missed. And then afterwards we do an additional inspection, which is a separate department in our company. And then that person comes in and actually inspects cleanliness and amenities to make sure everything's up to par and up to standard. And what about linens? How, how do you have your own linen service? Mm -hmm. We do. So a part of that initial transition to in-house housekeeping is I'm very much a systems processes operations guy. That's what I do. That's what I love to do. I love logistics. And so we found that it was, it was impossible to ensure that every single property was being accounted for when it came to linens. And if something was stained, being able to one, treat it, get it back to the right house and then charge the owner, whatever. So we ended up doing a linen buyback. We bought all the linens from the homeowners we had. We purchased additional linens in-house, and now we do a linen lease program. So for every turnover, the homeowner pays a certain amount of rental for each uh, occupant for that lease, and then we handle all the linen in-house. Currently, we use a laundromat, which isn't ideal, but we are in the process of building our own facility. And so hopefully by December, we'll have our own commercial laundry and new office space for that. I've talked to so many property managers recently who have gone that route. They've tried every which way to be mm-hmm. efficient with laundry and you know have, have finally gone the let's build our own unit uh, route because that's, you know, once again, it's having control, isn't it? It's, it's, it's having the inventory control, knowing what's coming in, what's being done, mm-hmm. what's going out. And yes, it, it, it wouldn't have worked with my company, but it would have been lovely to have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I, I, everybody I know that implemented a new laundry facility, it's like Christmas day, they yes. say when everything's delivered. So <laughs> I am I am waiting and waiting and waiting and I'm so excited and I know my staff is excited because they are tired of going to the laundromat. Oh yes, <laughs> to yeah. wash linens. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, okay, let's. This, this is a point I, I ask every property manager about their tech Ooh. stack. What's in your tech stack? What makes Stay Lake normal? Uh, normal? <laughs> what what <laughs> makes makes Stay Lake Norman run well and without yeah. friction? There's so many. I mean, as we saw from that that document that was shared all over the internet of all the different tech softwares that are out there for our industry. Uh, some some of my favorite that we use. One is you know our PMS system that's streamlined. We just implemented a new software um, which a lot of people already had and and everybody said we were behind the behind the pace on. But that was Breezeway, and so we <laughs> this is brand new for us and we just wanted for the right time. So it wasn't the right time previously, but now we're. We're getting to the point where it's it's going to make our life a lot different. We use Wheelhouse, and we just transitioned in for our pricing software. And then uh, we use uh, DAC for our guest enhancement app. So every one of our guests downloads the DAC mobile app, and it has all of our information about the house. It has upsells, uh, local recommendations. Those are four that I just I don't think we could live without now. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're always, we're always looking at new things. We're always, I will just call whenever I want, because if they give me one, one nugget of helpful information, that's all I need. So yeah, that's, that's the four main ones that I say mm-hmm. we can't live without right now. Excellent. And I, and I think that, you know, that, um, that hits the nail on the head with those, you know, you need, you need your PMS, you need something for operations, um, something mm-hmm. for the revenue management. And then everybody's gone to some form of digital guest guide now. And right. I know just before I left my property management company, I was still going to see new properties and seeing the dog-eared and coffee-stained old welcome books. And I hate to see them now. If I go and stay at a vacation rental, I want this on my phone. I want it. I want to mm-hmm. have this weeks and weeks before I go. So it's, you know, the, those who are not using these types of guides are really being left behind, I think. And it's, you know, time to get in there. I had not heard of DAC. I will go take a look at that. And uh, all the, all these things will Definitely be listed. Definitely check them out. We uh, we love them. Excellent. Well, the, all these will be listed in the show notes. Did you go to the VRMA International last year? I did, and the vendor warehouse, if you will, was yes. overwhelming. <laughs> but I did. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I I love going to some of those bigger shows, and then I like going to the smaller ones too, where where it's a little bit more intimate, mm-hmm. and you can you can connect with people. But absolutely, uh, we'll be back there this year as well. Well, it, it was you know I was thinking about the you know, the last one I went to. I have been to one since COVID, and I can't. Remember. It just seems like a long ago. Um, <laughs> And oh, right. and but I was just blown away by the exhibitor halls, and I remember sort of mm-hmm. fifteen years ago going to a VRMA conference, and there was just a smattering of vendors. And now, I mean, they they, they <laughs> as you say, warehouse. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's enormous. It's, it's just go in and pick what you want off the shelf, and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, just everything is there. Caleb, if somebody else was, you know, if somebody's listening to this and thinking about getting into the property management business, what tips mm-hmm. would you give them? If they're either starting out or if they're just really looking to grow and get off on a new trajectory? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing, and 
And I think this goes a little bit into more that personal life as well is, uh, is one, just, just know your value and, and hold your value. So, you know, us being in a niche and a luxury high end niche, you know, oftentimes our commission is a little bit higher than, than maybe our competition, uh, but we understand why. And we understand what our value proposition is and why we are so different. So being able to, one, recognize what your value is and then being able to stick to that and hold to that, I think, will help you not only grow, but I think it'll I think it'll help you feel better about your growth as well. The second one is and I tell my team this all the time is find the best in class. So whether that be your people or your software or whatever you're using to make your business smoother find the best in class. And if that means you have to pay a little bit more, mm-hmm. pay a little bit more because you'll see the dividends in the long run. And so that's what we do with everything. When we add a new software, I mean, Breezeway talked to me for two years before <laughs> we signed up because I wanted to ensure that they were the best option for us and they were going to be the best one. And I told them no a lot, but eventually they hit the notes that we needed to be the best that we needed. So, so find the best in class and know your value. Mm-hmm. Those are great tips. And certainly coming from a property management background, I would endorse both of those. And I like the, f- <laughs> I, I like, well, it took me a long time to get around to that finding best in class. For a long time, it was find the most inexpensive. And if I was advising somebody going into the business now is you know, ditch that, <laughs> ditch that way of, of right. thinking <laughs> Because some of this software is pricey because it's great, because they meet the needs of really dynamic and growing property management companies. And I know, you know, I know from our connection with Breezeway, we didn't use the whole mm-hmm. offering of Breezeway, but I know when we took on their text messaging service that our lives were changed overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's it. What I remind my staff is when they bring something like a proposal to me, I'm like, okay, how is this going to change the operation? How is this going to change your life? Why do we need this? And maybe the why. And I say, okay, is there another solution out there? And they always know to be prepared because <laughs> I'm going to ask, what are the other solutions and how can we do it? And then it's it's really using a cost analysis of saying, okay, we can go with this one. And it's let's say it's 10 times the cost, but it's going to save you 10 times the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense then because now you can use your time on other things that might be more important. So yeah, I, we, we did the same thing. We had things that we paid less money for, and we were always looking for a deal. And then we had to learn like, nope, we got to pay this person a little bit more because we want them and we can't lose them. Or we got to use this software because it's going to do the best for mm-hmm. us. So been there, done that. <laughs> One more question, actually, it's just yeah. come to mind. I'm thinking with the way you manage the company, you don't have a considerable amount of problems and issues when guests are in place. But I'm sure you do have them and you will have demanding guests like we all do. How do you deal with that? And I'm thinking more in terms of the administrative process, you know, recording something that's happening. Do you use some some form of software to keep tabs on that and to ensure that that same situation doesn't happen again? That's a great question. And I think, Heather, that is part of the reason why we started moving into using Breezeway a little bit more. So the first thing that we do right now is, um, you know, we do document it, we relay it to the team that might have a stake in, in what happened. So, right. So if it's a maintenance issue, the person who oversees maintenance is definitely going to be CC'd in that so that they know and they can be aware. And then we're going to put that 
when it comes to that reservation, that person specifically, we're going to make sure we document that on their reservation so that when they call next time, Mm -hmm. if they mention an issue or something, we can pull it up. And then the last thing is a lot of those types of things come in reviews. So if you ask somebody for a review, they're going to mention that small hiccup, whether you handled it well or not well, whatever they're happy about, they're going to mention it. So I actually single-handedly write and respond to every single review that we get. And if I know that there was an issue because I was relayed, I will mention it and say, I am so sorry about this X, Y, Z. Sometimes we'll offer a free early check-in early checkout next time they stay. Or, you know, I just make sure to note that this wasn't an automated response. This was Mm -hmm. a human that actually read your note that was able to say, I hear you and X, Y, Z. And then now with Breezeway, we're able to, if it's something that needs to be repaired or noted, we're able to mark it in there so that one, it doesn't get lost. And two, if it happens again, we have a running total of the amount of times that it happens. Mm -hmm. So then we can address it a little bit better, but that's still new. That's in beta with our company. We're still trying to get that up and running, but that's kind of the goal for for the long term. Yes. It was always quite the task for us to, you know, in, in the course of a busy summer with 160, 170 properties, and maybe 150 families going in and out every mm-hmm. week. There were always going to be issues. And and that whole documentation process was something that had to be nailed so that we documented absolutely everything, who dealt with this, who dealt with that, mm-hmm. what maintenance was done, what the resolution was. And, you know, looking back sort of in, in the earlier years, we didn't do that. And... It certainly made a great deal of difference once we started a a really good documentation process. So I expected that you would have that in, in hand. <laughs> so what is the outlook for Stay Lake Norman over the next few years? What goals do you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, the goal is to continue to be the best in class here and continue to gain national recognition for for what we're doing. That might be a little bit different. And the goal is to get to a certain number of properties and then evaluate our market, see if there's if there's growth potential for more luxury homes. And if not, then, uh, you know, settle in, stay at that number, maybe continue to refresh some of our properties get them a little higher end up to par, maybe add pools here or there if we can. And then who knows right now, the, the goal is not to expand to a new location just cause you know, there's only so much money in the world that I need and that my business partner needs, but we're driven and we always want to try something new. So really I could see us expanding into maybe creating a niche OTA or something like that just for fun. But right now it's, it's <laughs> just for fun to, to get to their, just for fun right now, it's all hands on deck to get, get stay Lake Norman to the most efficient and income based company um, that's returning for our homeowners. And we have a number in mind and I think we'll be there in two years and then just, uh, allow ourselves some space to breathe and find out what's next. That sounds great, Caleb. This has been such a great discussion. Or it's all, I just find it fascinating to talk to property managers, you know, across the country and, and well, across the world, in fact, in different markets. And it's always lovely to talk to people mm-hmm. who are in the luxury market. I wish, <laughs> I wish we'd been able to do that. <laughs> um, so, Well, you had your own challenges and we have <laughs> our own challenges and... <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I do hope we get to meet face to face, perhaps in Orlando in uh, in the fall. 
Yes, absolutely. I will be there. Um, I may have my family dragging me to <laughs> the parks, but I will be there for a little bit for sure. And uh, thank you so much, not only for having me on, but for what you bring to the industry. Like I said, I, I listen to your podcast all the time and I always learn something new and that's the only way I can keep going is by <laughs> learning new. So thanks for what you bring. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Caleb, for sharing your experience with us. While we don't all have the luxury of having non-negotiable criteria in our management companies, it's always great to hear how this works to everyone's benefit. And as I mentioned, you know, talking to Tyan Marsink a few weeks ago, she offered the same perspective on owner acquisition which is is interesting. Uh, I would have loved to have had a little bit more in the non-negotiable when I was in my property management company, but you know it was always a goal of ours to you know to continue acquiring new properties. And sometimes I think maybe we we fell down a little bit on making that distinction between wanting more properties in the portfolio and appreciating that there would be some that wouldn't quite fit and could, would, could perhaps cause us more problems in the long run. And we talk a lot on this show about acquiring new properties. So I wanted to draw your attention to the course that I've written for the Vacation Rental Formula Business School on getting new owners and keeping them. And I'm going to add in a new lesson into that course called the non-negotiables, as I think it really is an important component in, uh, in creating new contracts. You'll also find a course on owner onboarding in the business school that I developed after 20 years of honing my skills at bringing new owners on board. And it's all about what, you know, what I, what I learned over the years, what I learned really worked and what didn't. Anyway, Mike's going to tell you a little bit more about the business school after this. So thank you so much for being here, listening in to another episode. And I look forward to being in your ear again very soon. You've been listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula Business School. Get access to the knowledge and education to take your short-term rental business to the next level. Visit vacationrentalformula.com forward slash biz school for more information. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.